0: This is uh, Kevin Evans with Crossroads Assembly of God Church, the chapter-by-chapter life class, and we are studying the Gospels this year, and we are in the middle of Luke, and we are about to start chapter 11. So... Nathan and Lester, who are not here, so you must be out there listening to this recording. Please open your Bible to chapter eleven. The same thing applies to you, Nathan,
1: so get to it. Okay.
0: Because <laughs> we're the, the table is not quite full in here. I thought we were gonna need two tables last week, and now we don't even we, we, we haven't even filled up one. No. Okay so uh chapter 11 just as a quick recap uh luke as we have discovered is divided into three different sections we have an introduction where uh luke goes into who jesus is and who john the baptist is and the development of all the disciples and then it sort of stops and you have a section of i think it's 12 chapters of stories of Jesus. They are parables that things Jesus taught and it's kind of a conglomeration of various sermons that he's gathered, (coughs) which is a style of writing in ancient literature. And after we get through all the parables, which we are in the middle of now, then it goes into the last week of Christ's life and the Passion Play and uh, his crucifixion and resurrection and how that applies to Gentiles and so forth. So uh, we are studying the message of Christ in chapter 11. And in chapter 11, um, Christ, if I'm going to summarize the chapter, uh, Christ is ratcheting up the pressure on the Pharisees. What we've seen him do in the previous third of the book as uh, big crowds of people are following him following his healing uh, he would tell people to uh, don't go tell anybody what just happened uh, go, don't, don't go tell everybody I did this, go to the priest and, and get, get cleared up and, and get your life back together uh, keep this quiet and the point, it would seem strange for a guy who's preaching to thousands of people but the point is he's trying to control The hysteria. He doesn't want massive. He doesn't want tons of priests coming down to attack him because the more uh, hysteria he causes, the more uh, chances of being accused of something unlawful. And he he doesn't want to end his ministry before his disciples are thoroughly trained and ready to carry out his message. At least that is what most scholars interpret that to me. Well, we're past that now. Uh, the, at the end of that first section, uh, he sends out his disciples two by two around Galilee, and they go preaching and healing people and, carry, and, and and continuing his ministry on their own without him. And they went out for their solo flights, basically. And then they came back and they continue to train other disciples. And then he sends, what is it, 72 people into Judea as they continue. And so I think these disciples are, are, it's not just Jesus sending those people. I think these disciples are training those people. So these are disciples of disciples and he's building his church. And this is the first ministry core, missionary core that's going out into in groups of two. And they are in uh, their witnessing. So we're to the point that the church is has begun, and Christ is bringing his teachings to a close, and so he can afford to antagonize the opposition, you know. And so now these Pharisees are coming in and challenging him, and he is directly challenging them to their face. He's not. He never lied, and he never avoided the conflict. Well, he did avoid the conflict. But, uh, you know, when we face-to-face, he always spoke the truth. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, okay. So that's where we are. He's not dodging them anymore.
1: Yeah, he was not to avoid the conflict. Right.
0: So, verse 11, uh, I mean, excuse me, chapter 11 uh, it begins with a teaching on prayer. So I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we'll back up and discuss it. Uh, so this is Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Nathan, did you find that in your book? Find it, find it, find it in your Bible, Nathan. Put your finger in verse 1. Okay, you ready? <laughs> one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us, lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give you the bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will give up and give him as much as he needs. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? We'll come back and unpack that in a minute. (laughs) So I say to you, ask and i will be given it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be open which of you fathers if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, prayer. The the disciples ask him about prayer, and Christ gives them this. Now, I am reading from the NIV. And it always strikes me kind of funny because I memorized this in in the the King King James 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 version, version. you know, which, 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 when I was in football, we had to recite this before each game. Back when they did that, you know, in public schools, and so even even heathen who had never been to church knew the (laughs) Lord's Prayer because it was recited before every football game, you know. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. I don't know if it meant anything to him, but that's what, that's what a lot of my football buddies thought prayer was, you know. But um, that's just it. I, I don't think Jesus intended for this to be recited. Prayers are not recitations.
1: Huh?
0: Well, he's making a weird gesture with his hands <laughs> yeah. that I don't even understand. It's a rosary. Oh, it's a rosary? Yeah, it's a oh, rosary. A rosary? Rosary. oh yeah. it was a Ros- Catholic a, reference. A I see. I apologize <laughs> to all the Catholics that are listening on the internet <laughs> <laughs> on Kenny Molden's behalf. I, to be fair, this is a very Protestant church. Okay, <clears throat> moving on.
1: <clears throat>
0: um, Christ wanted a personal relationship with God. Uh, and he was, uh, you know, they asked him how to pray, and he gave this really simple, straightforward model of a prayer. But it's just a model. This, this is very broad and general, and it's not specific. He wants us to pray about our specific concerns. However, this hits all the buttons that you're supposed to hit when you pray. It's all the buttons you can hit when you pray, when you kind of break it down. And prayer can be broken down into five categories. Are you ready? Are you ready? There is praise. Oh, Lord, we praise you. You are great. You know, then there is thanksgiving. Thank you for all the things that you have done for me. I cannot be anything on my own power. Everything I have comes from you ultimately, regardless of the sweat of my own brow. Okay, then there is repentance, Lord, I screwed up, (laughs) I have sinned, I am sorry, it's a problem God, I know, I know we've had this conversation before, and I know I overeat all the time, yes, I am a glutton, I'm trying to be better. Well, we all have our own problems. <laughs> I was about to say, is that like a confession from yeah, it you? Was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I just want to say, just for the record, that I went to get my coffee just now and there were all these chocolate chip cookies all piled around the coffee for some other class and they looked really good, Ron. They did. I did, I did not eat them. I did because I am an enormous blob, that's why. Uh, so We all confess our sins and ask for repentance and that is important because we need to maintain that relationship with God. And even though he has forgiven us of our sins, we need to state our sins for our own sakes, you know? And we need to purge ourselves of that block that's cutting us away from God. It's our side, not his. Does that make sense? Okay. And then after we have done all of this self-maintenance relationship with god stuff now we can have a conversation with god and we intercede intercession is the next one and that's where we pray for other people not ourselves that's the last one but we pray for other people and there are levels to this and i you know, we are tribal people, and we've had this conversation before. <coughs> I think you need to work your tribe and then work your way out. I pray for my wife first. Oh, Lord, she needs a lot of prayer. <coughs> Excuse me. And then I pray for my kids because, oh, my goodness, they need a lot of prayer. You know, and sometimes I don't even get off that. I just stop there because I'm exhausted Can after, I uh, ask after that. What I pray for? No. Those are my issues. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. You don't I, tell me. That's private really. and personal.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, I don't really care. It's your business.
0: I just you know like... most of it anyway. Anyway. Because <laughs> uh, I don't hide much. No. Anyway, and then after you know that, extend out to the extended family and take in the in-laws and the cousins and the so forth. And then you go to the next level of influence, whatever that is around you. And, and yeah. my circles have pulled in some recently, but I used to have to pray about my coworkers. My coworkers needed prayer, you know? And then, and then, and then, pray for my students. Even some of hard. them, some of them I prayed for passionately because I cared about very very much, and I was very concerned for them, and I was involved in their life, and they were my little pets, and I, you know, it's true, it's true, all teachers have pets, and, and I worked my way down my pets, because they were, they were extremely important to me, and then, and then there's what teachers call the knuckleheads, yeah. and the knuckleheads are the ones who, who stress you, who you don't like. And there have been a few students that I literally wanted to pray, Lord, could they please die before tomorrow? Oh. Because I really don't want to ever look on that boy's face again. You know, I come on, you, be honest, be honest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kevin, that's not very Christian. No, it's not. No, it's not. But, it, but it's true. Yeah. Uh, but I've I never prayed for anyone to die. My mother-in-law has. That's another story. Oh. Um, but the thing is, if you pray for somebody that you can't stand, yeah. the heat in your heart, you know the yeah. the hate oh, go, that is way down here where you see them boiling in the pits of hell, it comes up to here. Yeah. You know, I don't. I still don't like those kids, even when they're graduated. Even when they're graduated, even I you know, come on but I don't hate those kids and I don't need to hate people you know what I'm saying and you can't genuinely pray for people and, and, and feel animosity toward them you know uh, I've got people in my life that I, I don't like I'll never like I never want to see again Kenny's smiling at me because we know each other way too well. Uh, I, th- there are people I never want to see again, and, and, and you know it's a short list. Uh, am I on the I list? I drove by his house yesterday. <laughs> never mind. Anyway, uh, you know you're not in the list. <laughs> Jeez, who do you think like I am? I'm
1: kidding. I'm just messing with you. I was pretending to get up.
0: But, Kenny, I I don't hate them. I don't hate them. You know, I I do pray for them. Dislike. Well, I have prayed for them, not regularly anymore. But, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I think dislike is fair. Hate is not. uh, You you can't let yourself, you can't let your heart burn.
1: Like, okay. Um, I had a buddy of mine uh, when I was working in the bakery, uh, one of the vendors. Like, you would know, always say, Does your wife still love you? Yeah, she still loves me. But does she like you? Eh, sometimes she doesn't like yeah,
0: you. Yeah, yeah, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just <laughs> like now. Just yeah, like exactly. Now. <laughs> <laughs> now. Uh-oh. For the internet, Jennifer just glared at Kitty and she just stabbed oh, him with oh, her oh. eyes. It, oh. was, it was pretty impressive. Oh, anyway. Oh. <laughs> You're good at that, Jennifer. Wow. You've had years of practice. I can see.
1: Is that normal between a married couple? I think
0: so, sadly, yeah. Okay. okay. It's
1: just how you take
0: it. Okay, I'm ch- I'm chasing a rabbit here, but I've got to say this. Uh, but speaking to the unmarried men in the room. Thank you. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you, you see romance, I know those rom-coms on TV, and it's supposed yeah. to look really... Uh, you know, perfect and lovey-dovey, and uh, you have all these warm, fuzzy feelings about your spouse, and and uh, you live happily ever after at the end of the show. Yeah, say something. But I'm not th- okay. Jump in. Okay, at the end of those
1: movies, though, they're always getting married. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then it stops there. And, and then, then it's, it's happily ever <laughs> after. <laughs> 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 they never tell the
0: rest of the story. Yeah, here is the, the truth. Here the is America. the honest truth of the matter. Human <laughs> beings are complicated people, and they, they function at a level far deeper than any fictional character that you see in a book or in the movie. Yeah. I do passionately love my wife, and there are, and I do have warm fuzzies about my wife, maybe not as many <laughs> as when we were younger. But, but my relationship with her has changed and grown, and she is my absolute best friend. And I, I genuinely love her. I also occasionally hate her, because she drives me crazy and she is quirky beyond all get out uh however that doesn't mean i still love her does that make sense Mm -hmm. i hate and love my wife at the same time Mm -hmm. without any kind of contradiction and on top of those two extreme feelings, let's throw in a dozen other weird little feelings. I, a, I resent my wife on occasion. <laughs> I envy my wife. I am jealous of my wife. I, all of those emotions are in there. And if you think that your, your uh, spouse is going to be this lovey-dovey, wonderful fuzzy relationship. It is the first six months. Did you, did you make it six months? Anyway, uh, before, but that kind of rubs off a little bit and it has to become a real relationship after that. Uh, that's why marriage is about commitment. It's not about love. You don't walk away when the fuzzies wear off. Forship is
1: always put your best.
0: Yes, it is. I never show my... No one should ever show their true self in a courtship. No one would ever get married.
1: Yeah. Their true
0: Your true self. Oh, true true
1: self. I thought you said swell
0: How can I put this, Andrew? On your first date, you don't want to fart in the car. You know know what I'm saying? saying, But after you've been married 10 years, you know, Jennifer, it happens, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See, she knows the real Kenny now. Now. Yeah, but so Kenny very wisely did not show that side of himself while he was courting Jennifer because that's what all smart men do. Okay, all right, I'm done with my rant. That has nothing to do with our list. That was for free and for Andrew. Okay, so Christ, on uh, we're down to verse 4 and I've already burned 15 minutes. Okay, uh, Christ gives the, the, the Lord's Prayer and we see versions of this with a line or two more in uh, in Matthew and Mark, because obviously this was important. And I suspect that Christ taught this in multiple times. You know, when you when you when I was raised by a music minister, I have been to more revivals than any human being has a right to have gone yeah. to, you know, it was, you know, I've been to revivals as the family business, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, I would go to revival and find out who's preaching it. Cause my dad was, you know, running the music for the revival and having seen this preacher before, I would roll my eyes because I have heard every sermon this man has preached three times. <laughs> and uh, you know, my, every preacher has what my father-in-law calls sugar stick messages. Right. You know, it's it's something that they have preached over and over and over again. And they have it to the point that the whole sermon is practiced to to get the exact reaction that they want from the audience. And they know how to pause and emphasize things in order to have the most emotional impact on the audience. You know, they they have polished it as a teacher. If you do the same lesson three times in the same day, the same thing happens. First period is kind of rocky, but fourth period, that's polished, you know, because, you, you know, for, fourth period classes, the kids are tired, but man, the lessons are better, you know, because because the teacher's been practicing all day long <laughs> on it, you know. It's true, and so, uh, and preachers are even worse because they do it more than four times, and they, they, they you know, and, and, oh, and evangelists, they've got, they've got at best 10 sermons. Ten sermons, that's all they do. And so they do the same ten sermons to earn their living for a full year. Uh, each one of those sermons is gold, you know, because they, they polished and polished and polished it.
1: So revival never last longer.
0: That's why revivals only last seven days, yes. Uh, that's why you bring in another preacher for that, yeah. Won't go past ten. Uh-huh, won't go past ten, no. Uh, they run out of material. And now there's only three days, which makes me think that these evangelists are just lazy. I think that's what it is. Anyway, uh, so all the evangelists out there are now offended by me. That's okay. (laughs) I don't care. Uh, That's what this is. I think Jesus has just, he's a human being and he's a preacher. He's preaching the same message to a different crowd. If you have a different crowd, it's new to them, not to you, you know. And, 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 and the poor disciples, they're following them around, working this crowd and taking up collections and handing out food and doing what the disciples do. They've heard this message over and over and over again. They know what he's going to say next. And so Luke is talking to Peter, who has Jesus' messages. Memorized. I'm pretty sure Luke was delivering Jesus's messages, right? I bet Luke had a pretty good sermon on prayer because he listened to Jesus teach it, right? That's how that's how it works. So this is Luke writing down what Peter had memorized. You know uh, that after Christ had given this same message a dozen times. So, so that's what this is. It's uh, you know, and so that's why you have these different versions of prayer and you have these extra lines and in one part it says debts and in another it says uh, uh, forgive those who trespass but it kind of means the same thing in translation. There may have been some different choices of words but it means the same thing. The content is identical. And in Luke, it goes into this whole discussion of what prayer is about which doesn't happen in Matthew and Mark and it's because they're, they're reporting on this message that Christ has given dozens of times and there are different little versions of it and, and Luke goes a little further in what Christ is trying to say. Content is the same. So here he says, uh, seek and you shall find, ask and it will be given to you. And then he tells this story about the friend. Did that sound weird? Mm-hmm. It reads weird. He says, uh, you know, the, the the guy's gone to bed, yeah. and somebody knocks on the door because he needs bread. He's got a visitor. He needs to borrow a cup of sugar or whatever. He he he, yeah. he, he, need, he, need, he needs to borrow something to give to this guy next door. Well, you know, the guy didn't want to get out of bed. I mean, he's a neighbor and he's a friend, but he's not doesn't like him that much. You know, I'm <laughs> not getting out. You know, go go do your own thing. That could be yeah. kind of like if I went to your house and knocked. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. I would totally leave you out there and not give you a thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. That's just it. If, if somebody that I didn't even know knocked on my door and asked for bread in the middle of the night, I would be annoyed. And then I'd give him a biscuit and hope he went away. Like, you know what I'm saying? Snickers. Because I'm oh. up at that point. Oh, or here. Like, a okay, oh, like here. A go. Go. Go away. Go.
1: More is like, uh, here, here. Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Kenny's going to leave the door chained because he doesn't know who the dude is. Yeah, 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 okay. You have a gun behind the door. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is Texas. This is Texas. There is there is a shotgun somewhere near that door. That's right. Yeah, anyway. Um, uh, well, there is isn't my house. Anyway, uh, that that's what Christ is talking about. The bold win. There's power in boldness. And so, uh, you know, if you... You know, if I called, okay, honestly, if I called Nathan Sample and I said, do you wanna go to church this morning? And Nathan says, you know, I've got other plans and uh, I don't really feel like it. And I was up really late last night playing video games. I think I'm going to stay home and he will text me and blow me off. And that will be that. However, If I drove over to Nathan's house and parked my truck in front of his trailer and I pound on his door and make Nathan walk up to my door and look me eye to eye and say, so you want to go to church this morning? No. Nathan at that point will be out of bed because he texted me from bed, right? And so He's out of bed and he's on his feet. All he has to do is put on his pants and where we go... It's much more likely that I'm going to get Nathan to come to church, isn't it?
1: Is that supposed to be a call-out? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Call-out. Call-out. What?
0: Yeah. If I can get Nathan to respond by being pushy, and oh my goodness, we all know I know how to be pushy. I'm a teacher. Teachers are pushy. It's just—it's just we're trained this way. I can't stop it anymore. Uh, How's God going to treat us? You know, ask God, and God will give it to you. You have to ask, though. You know, you have to drop by. You have to knock on the door. Ask twice. Be bold. Don't be polite. Don't demand, but ask.
1: Like, you know? Kevin, can I borrow some of your p- leftover pizza? Yeah.
0: <laughs> if it's pizza, are you really borrowing? <laughs> no. You're let's uh, let's you're use jibby. the right word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Can I you're have it? Can you have my
0: pizza? That's what you're asking. About. I don't know. I was
1: trying to come up with a funny but relevant <laughs> <laughs> analogy.
0: I understand. I understand. Couple <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah, you know. Um I have friends who would call me up and say, can I come over and borrow your tools? I'll, I'll just about loan you anything except for tools and books. Tools and books are really important to me and people tend to not give things back that they borrow because yeah. it's not really borrowing. You want me to give you this thing, you know?
1: So in other words, when it comes to your books and tools, keep your meaty hands off. I
0: get, I get kind of defensive, yeah, I do. <laughs> And, uh, you know, there are some people that I know will take care of my junk and bring my junk back, you know, and I will, I'll be kind to them, but then, and then, I, but then I've got my nephew, Reggie, that still hasn't brought my autograph. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I have an autographed uh, Corman McCarthy book, that uh, first edition, it wrapped in mylar. It's called The Road. Uh, oh, it, it's 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 a really nice little volume, and, and Reggie borrowed it two years ago. Oh. Yeah, it's like that. Okay.
1: Hey, and know. I like Re-
0: Reggie. I like you. I do. But still, bring my book back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you let me borrow. Um, not sure first edition, but the uh, you've
0: pretty much given me all my books back, haven't you? Y- yes. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Uh, I don't have any problem with you. Uh. I'm not ever loaning Reggie nothing again. <laughs> I'll give him stuff, but I'm not letting it go unless I don't want to see it again. Yeah, Dark Knight Returned. Oh, that was a good book, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I thought so too. All right, where were we? Uh knock and it will be given to you. And so Christ is saying that uh, you know, be bold and uh God loves you and he doesn't have your, you know, uh Bad things planned for you. So ask and see how it goes. Which comes to the next illustration. And uh, Christ drives out a demon, which is kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And the Pharisees attack him over it. Now, you know, you know about a demon. You know, how, how is that a bad thing? You know, and so they're trying to make something out of it because they're looking for anything that they can get on him to uh, bring charges against him. And so, uh, and they've organized. And so now every time he gives a message, there's a Pharisee out there somewhere taking notes, looking for some way to get to him. And uh, in, 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 in each of the stories that we see in chapter 11, that heats up. It's all about uh, this gamesmanship with the Pharisees. So picking up at verse 14, now that I've ranted about prayer, uh, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. Some of them said, By Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Luke said some of them, because he can't exactly identify it, but who would have said that? You know, that's the Pharisees. Uh, Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. So he just drove out a demon and they want a sign from heaven. I
1: think that's a pretty good... It seems
0: like that's a sign from heaven. Yeah, like I say,
1: okay, what is it that you want to say?
0: Yeah, I mean, do the clouds literally have to part? You know, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? Huh. So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God and then the kingdom of God has come to you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house slept clean and put in order. Then it goes and gets seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Blessed is Mary? I guess so. And Jesus replies, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So you want to get the Catholic dig in there, too? Yeah. I think that's a Catholic dig right there. Yeah. Okay.
1: Maybe I should say that to my mom.
0: So this is kind of, what? No, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't, I is, don't, that
1: is that a thing?
0: I, I, yeah. I try not to mess with faith. I'm a, little, I'm a little afraid of faith. Don't worry. It'll be me facing the consequences. Okay, okay. <laughs>
1: Besides, these ideas are my own internet. And I may or may not be joking. Thank no, you. No. I
0: appreciate that disclaimer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, I, I don't think I'm really going to do it. I just like to
0: do it to mess with Kevin. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, you're afraid of her too, I see. Good. <laughs> Wait, is that a dare? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll, <laughs> <dare. Uh-oh>. I'll <laughs> do it. I'll do it. I don't know what to do oh, with Lord. that. That's bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Andrew, having met your mother, I'm going to have to say, be nice to your mother. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so Jesus drives out a demon in Matthew. This same incident, most people agree, uh, is described, and in that one, the demon not only makes the man mute but blind. And so, when they de- cast out the demon, the guy can speak and see, which is pretty profound. Uh, or there were multiple incidents, and it's all kind of been wrapped up. I don't think it really matters because the content is the same, uh, or, or the takeaway is the same. And so uh, people accuse Jesus of casting out demons by Beelzebub. So we get into this debate. So point number one, if I'm casting out demons by Beelzebub, who did the priest cast out demons by? And I think he's referencing things that we don't really understand, but it was pretty common for a priest of the temple to be paid to come to someone's house and cast a demon out of a child or something like that. And I think often uh, medical conditions were misdiagnosed as demonic. And, uh, And so they would cast out the demon and... Say be healed and walk away, and then they would still be basically the same as they were when they came. But you know they, they they got their fee on the way out the door too. You know, so you had to pay them to come cast out this demon, and it was expensive. So kind of, kind of like those evangelists that slap them. There the were, yeah, it was head. kind of a racket. Kind of a racket. of a racket. Smack, smack across the head. Kind of a racket.
1: <laughs> fucking in was No, you hit him really hard across the head. Yeah, he yeah. Well, that's head. what happened.
0: Uh, don't get me going. I'm going to offend people. That so, was wrong. yeah. Uh, so, uh, Christ is challenging him. So, point one is, if I'm casting them out by Satan, who are you casting them out by? Because, you know, it's the same thing. And then he says, you know, Satan isn't going to cast his own demons out. He, Satan, put them in there. You know, why? Why would he cast them out? Why is he on your side? You know. That doesn't make sense. He's you know, to give Satan only plays for his team. He's not going to play for somebody else's team. So you can't cast a demon out by Satan any more than you know. Well, never mind. Uh, that wasn't a very good analogy, and I'm dropping it. Uh, so so yeah, that's his argument. And so he he says a house can't be divided against itself. Uh, so which would be de- you know. Satan casting out his own demons and so he makes this uh, point about a stronger man you know kicking out another man basically he's saying that God is stronger than Satan I think that's how that's interpreted and then he has this weird segment in verse 24 you would think that when God casts a demon out of a, a someone that that would be that right? why would the demons come back in with all his friends? Everyone's staring at me with, with big eyes, and I don't understand. I, I figured you're not going to jump on the, yeah, Because you're just ignoring me altogether, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ignoring I'm listening to you. <sighs> okay. Um, I heard you. <laughs> I, I know. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So, so why would the demon leave and then come back? Well... Because the house is empty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When Christ casts out a demon, that guy believes on Jesus Christ and he becomes a Christian. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit enters his heart. There's a salvation experience. Mm -hmm. So these healings, these demon castings, were usually followed with that guy following Christ and becoming a disciple and so the Holy Spirit enters his heart. And if the Holy Spirit is in residence in your heart, can a demon move in? No. no. I'm thinking, no. I don't believe that an honest, born again Christian can be demon possessed. I think they could be oppressed. oppressed. Yes. I think demons can dance around a Christian and cause him trouble like Job, you know. But uh, I don't think that he can be taken over by demons. However, if you're not a believer, then there's nothing to protect you. And so you had these priests who were in the name of God, the real one, Mm -hmm. casting out demons and the demons were leaving but they weren't believing on Jesus Christ. Uh, They weren't having a salvation experience. Uh, They weren't embracing the truth. They were following the the word of the rabbinic law. Or tradition. Or the tradition, and that's not enough. And so they cleaned up their sin and their act. They swept the house. The house is empty. So there's a difference. I do believe in a clean house, by the way. But there needs to be something in the house to give that house meaning, you know? And so that's what was happening. Demons were uh, re-entering demonically oppressed people that the priest had been casting demons out of. At least that's how I interpret this scripture. And they're coming back worse because they were ticked off that they had to leave to begin with. You know, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, so this, he doesn't specifically say when you cast out demons, you screw it up because you're not, you know. He's 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 still he's calling out Pharisees. This is that's this is pointed and directed at the Pharisees that are listening to him. Yes, Kenny, sorry. Okay, well, all right. Well, could
1: okay even after they cast out demons, could. Let's say pre pre Christ, could the Holy Spirit dwell inside the person?
0: I think so. think so? Okay. Well, I'm All right. No, I didn't. No, no, seriously. What? When Samson exhibited superhuman strength, It wasn't because his muscles were made on Krypton. It was because the spirit of God was achieving what he was attempting. He was within the will of God in his action. And so he can wrestle a lion and break its neck, which is impossible for a human being under its own strength. He can knock down columns of a massive building and crush 10,000 people, you know. Uh, human beings can't do that God can so yes I think that you could be the Holy Spirit would would come upon people now at, at Pentecost that just increased I think it was selective before then now it's much more it's much increased because Christ has come he's paid the price and now he's ascended And so the Holy Spirit form of God is now moving through everyone. Because remember Christ, Holy Spirit, God are the same person. So Christ ascends and then through the Holy Spirit moves through everyone else. And that's that's just a different function of God. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so so
1: So instead of so basically they were just they would cast out these demons. And then the teacher, and the of will all say, "Oh, well, it's done. There's set of rules. It says follow God. Yes, follow these rules.
0: rules. Yes, and That's then demons right. come back." Okay. All right.
1: Gotcha. All right
0: then. Okay. And I think he was referring to specific instances. I think there, you know, I think Christ cast demons out of people that had already been cast out. You know, you know, how do you end up with a a thousand, a legion of demons in a man? You know, 15 priests had already worked on that guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It just made it worse. So, so there you go. Uh, Then we have this woman that shouts out, which is so very Luke, because he loves a detail, you know, and even if it doesn't really fit, he's going to stick that detail in there because... He's a doctor. Details are important. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd shouted out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Which is, you know, complimentary, but it's about Mary. She's missing the point, you know. And Christ redirects that. Blessed rather. He's not saying that Mary is bad, but. Your blessed rather are those people who listen and believe. That's a little more important than Mary. And, and Andrew can't, is about to die. He wants to speak so badly. <laughs> so I'm moving the microphone across now, the table. No, no, no. I was just saying,
1: like, maybe I could uh, use it on my mom saying, hey, blessed are those who obey God. Says, I gave birth to you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just, <laughs> mom, I love you. I am just like to mess with you and joke around.
0: It's family. You're going to get in so much trouble when you get home. I know, he, he, not, does. he <laughs> does. He just <laughs> kicks hornet's nest <laughs> right. it's not that what? Uh, I am old. I, I know not to kick hornet's nest. <laughs>
1: yeah, me too. Okay, just like I said, it's just a jug. I'm not
0: really going to do it. I just like to be funny okay. and edgy. Okay, verse 29. <laughs> Uh, my Bible titles this the sign of Jonah, and it's a little weird. It's an extension of the same teaching. Uh, as the crowds increased, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation. It asked for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. The sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, so also will be the Son of Man to, be, uh, to this generation. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom and now one greater than Solomon is here the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now one greater than Jonah is here so so the sign of basically, he's saying that you have these pagan peoples. You know, it was the Syrians in the Ninevites' case, who were hard, angry, fish-loving people uh, because they worshiped Dagon, and they they uh, in order to, to oh my gosh, the Ninevites were harsh. Uh, in order to uh, show honor to Dagon, they would take a fish hook. And for a slave, they would stick it in the fishhook's lip and they would drag them on like they were on a stringer, which is incredibly painful. Uh, Dagon, that weird
1: reverse mermaid?
0: Yes, yes, Dagon is the weird weird reverse mermaid, yes. Uh, Yes. And so we've had that story. Uh, The Ninevites miraculously embraced Jonah's message. And we've taught this message as to why. But uh, they were, they really came around. This was a huge kingdom of pagan, angry people that bowed down to Jonah, well, to Jonah's God. And Jonah, to the point that Jonah was angry because God wanted them all destroyed. And they repented, oh, how dare they? Anyway, uh, the Ninevites came around. The, queen, the, the, the woman from the south, do you know who that is? I know who you're about. Because the queen of Sheba, mm-hmm. uh, when uh, Solomon was king, uh, there, he, was, he was very wealthy and very blessed and was making a big you know, impact on the world. And uh, the, the, the nations in the South, in, in, in Africa, were starting to notice him and he was becoming a political power. And so the Queen of Sheba decided to make a political uh, move and align herself with Israel and she uh, creates this, uh, she travels to Israel to meet Solomon. And uh, there's all kinds of fiction that goes on around this this big historical event. However, what's true is that she traveled with, oh, I don't know, a thousand people. It was a big convoy that came into Israel. And the Africa was so wealthy because they have gold mines and, and diamond mines that uh, they spent money on the way up, you know, buying provision for those thousands of people. And there was so much gold on their trade route that they had they, they literally depressed the economy because there was so much money that prices went up on things because, because there was just so much cash. She had a huge economic impact on Israel and just showered Solomon with gold. Uh, she converted to Solomon's God, you know, in, in, as part of this. And you could argue that it was a political move in order to maintain her, you know, the, 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 the viability of her nation. But I think she genuinely converted to, to God and to the God of Abraham and then goes back to Africa because there are, there are huge Jewish populations in Africa that all kind of reflect that. Uh, so, so that's what he's referring to. If we have this pagan African who based upon words she's heard of Solomon can move up to Israel and accept the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then come back, then what can these Pharisees claim? You know, they've got all the scripture to work with. They've got God's word, they've got prophets in their own town preaching to them, and they're fighting back and trying to get, you know, they've got Jesus Christ outside the temple preaching, and they want to get rid of it.
1: Yeah, it's basically uh, the Gentiles are willing to accept uh, Christ, but yet his own people are refusing to accept him, even though he proved plenty of times that he was the Jewish Messiah and Yes, you know, the government, the
0: politicians... Yes, back to what we said. They are just seeking to kill him, and just <laughs> amazingly corrupt. Anyway, uh, the sign of Jonah. This little segment is basically a warning to the Pharisees, and I'm sure he was staring down the Pharisee as he's giving this message. I know I'm out of time. <laughs> <laughs> I will finish We're shortly.
1: Okay, rushing him.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah she's. You're, she, yeah. He's rushing me. <laughs> Okay, so so that's so th- so that's what's happening there, uh, and so Christ is uh, warning them, and, and he's not saying you're about to be judged. That would be be too direct. He tells this story and shows and convicts them with this story, which is how a parable uh, gets your point across and keeps you alive at the same time. Okay, so that that's gospel of Kevin. You can you can yeah, the gospel that, of Kevin. There's you a know, There's a lot of, <laughs> a right. lot of those. Yeah. Okay, uh, obviously, uh, Ron wants to point out that I'm totally out of time. So we are going to stop. Somebody give me a pencil. Uh, we are going to stop at verse 33. Thank you, ma'am. And uh, we are going to pick up chapter 11 at verse 33 when we come back as we continually work our way through all of these wonderful little parables that luke has given us and with that i am signing off uh nathan get your act together and come back to church and uh lester i hope all the family are doing well see you soon bye